everything that's going on with my body and then also like illness or food or like anything that has to deal with like literally every aspect of life I am so connected with my own body that I can tell if something's off or if something is going well um because the you know like the body like you talk about a lot it influences the mind and the mind influences the body and they go back and forth and I feel like I have a really good grasp of that connection and I'm like hyper aware of it This is Strength in the Details, a podcast that goes beyond the classic debate on reps, sets, and exercise programming, and focuses on aligning what matters most in your training, nutrition, mindset, and lifestyle. I'm your host, Dr. Anaja Newsom, founder of Optimize Strength. I'm a PhD with a focus in the exercise and health sciences, a coach, and weightlifting athlete. With more than a decade of professional experience in sport and fitness, I truly believe that the impact of mental skills, motivation, and self-efficacy are often overlooked and underappreciated in exercise behavior change, sport performance preparation, and everyday coaching practices. You deserve to feel strong in the gym and beyond. And on this podcast, we dive in to the mental aspects of exercise, training, and sport performance. So join me as I invite industry experts, elite athletes, and coaches and researchers to a conversation about the gritty details. In this episode, I sit down with Meredith Allwine. Meredith is an elite weightlifter who competes in the 71 weight class for Team USA and represents Team Only Concepts. Meredith is a highly decorated athlete and currently holds the titles of world champion and Pan-American champion. I have the privilege of watching Meredith train from time to time, and I know firsthand just how hard she works. I sit down with Meredith to discuss the transition from other sports, such as soccer and gymnastics, into a specialized weightlifter. We also talk about her deep and intuitive connection that she's developed between mind and body and how she fundamentally attributes that to her success as an athlete. If you are curious about the routine and mindset of an elite athlete, this is an excellent episode for you. So let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of Strength in the Details. I'm your host, Dr. Anaja Newsom, and I am here with Team USA athlete and Team Only Concepts athlete, Meredith Allwine. How are you doing, Meredith? I am fantastic. How are you? I'm great. I'm glad to have you here. I'm glad to see your smiling face, even though no one else can see it, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Um, Well, I want to just jump right into it. We have a lot of stuff to cover today. You've done a lot in your weightlifting career, and I really want to learn more about kind of where it started and be able to share some of the insights of being an elite athlete, because I believe that our listeners, you know, see what we put on Instagram as far as like lifting heavy and things like that. But I know that there's a lot that you do behind the scenes to to get to that level, to stay at that level and to kind of keep your career going. So tell us a little bit about you and your story as you, you know, transitioned into weightlifting. Yeah, so I was put in a gym around two years old as a gymnast. I started competing when I was six and then did that for four years. Kind of didn't love it. So I quit gymnastics and then my parents were like, well, you have to do something. So I was like, okay, uh, I'll play soccer. And my dad had played soccer at Penn State. So it was like in the family. 
so I picked up soccer um, and I was in middle school. So then I also started running track with my friends and I kind of just did those two for a long time. I actually um, played college soccer for one semester and was supposed to run track as well at like a D3 school, but <laughs> weightlifting got serious at that point. So I quit. Um, so yeah, I did those into high school got onto the high school gymnastics team, which was a lot of fun. We had a brand new school. So we got this like pretty weight room and they started lifting in this weight room before class. And they were like, you should like come join us. And it was basically CrossFit. And our assistant principal ran the club and he was like, well, you're like pretty good at this. You should go to a real CrossFit gym, which I didn't know existed. And there's a bunch where I'm from. So I went to one of those and was just, yeah I just like kept doing it and they were like hey we have a weightlifting class because obviously I don't know anything about weightlifting and I was like okay and I was 17 about to be 18 so they were like oh you could qualify for junior nationals and I was like okay so I went and then did a competition bombed out did another competition qualified and then got third place at junior nationals after like six months of weightlifting and I was like all right well I guess I'll just keep doing that yeah and kept doing it <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't know that you, I mean, I knew that you did gymnastics and I think maybe I remember soccer, uh, but it seems like you grew up really playing a lot of different sports that require a lot of different types of athleticism, right? So soccer is more endurance and cardiovascular um, strength. Gymnastics is more strength and kind of flexibility. Like how did playing multiple sports um, do you think that that played a role in your success as a weightlifter at all? And if so, like how? Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, you know, a lot of people talk nowadays about like specializing as a child is not the way to go, right? To be successful in a sport ultimately. Um, and I saw that like when I was doing high school gymnastics and then started doing some like lifting weights, my gymnastics got better because I was stronger, able to balance more, had more power from more leg strength. Um, and then you can see the carryover from like gymnastics to track. I was really good at hurdling off the bat because it's the same thing as a split leap. Mm. And that was very natural to me. And same thing in soccer, you know, a lot of like directional changes, really fast, like um, aggressive, just like the proprioception that you get from doing so many different things with your body. Like that's so huge in weightlifting with technique that like, yeah. So do you think, do you, would you encourage athletes to cross train and incorporate different movements, even, you know, even as adults, like specializing in weightlifting or specializing in one sport, you know, how, how would an athlete kind of, you know, maybe make up for some of that lost time of cross training in a lot of different sports and a lot of different skills? With adults, we kind of like use the term play a lot, mm -hmm. at least in the yoga world, which I am kind of now in, but play I think is really important whether it's doing CrossFit on the side of weightlifting or like playing around with gymnastics I think is really important getting on your hands getting upside down um jumping all of these things are like that are very basic about like just moving your body in different directions I think is super super important because if you understand how to move your body without a barbell it becomes so much easier to move it around a barbell, you know? That makes sense. And very well put. And I don't think, I mean, in theory, like in, like in practice, I think we see that, right. But like, when you put it that way, like if you learn to move your body without a barbell, 
um you know people please go back and listen to that message like we spend a lot of time focusing on putting the bar in our hands you know and learning skills and getting stronger and you know for for those that do the snatch and clean and jerk it's like we want to snatch and clean and jerk more but if we learn how to control our bodies and get stronger in other movements and get become more proficient in other movements that does you know translate to how we move with the barbell and i think that's so important what has been your biggest uh strength that or the biggest thing that you've learned from being an athlete in general? The thing that has come up the most recently, like aside from discipline and managing drive and like goal achieving, like all of that certainly, but recently I, it's been brought to my attention that I exist in my body in a very interconnected way that most people don't, it seems. Like I am always aware of my body and how it feels in space. Okay. Like when I'm walking around, you know, like my sensory perception of my own body, my proprioception um, is really heightened. And I think that has made life like more enjoyable for me <laughs> because people will be like, oh, can you do this? thing and I'm like sure let me try it and I can do the thing most of the time just because I have such a understanding of everything that's going on with my body and then also like illness or food or like anything that has to deal with like literally every aspect of life I am so connected with my own body that I can tell if something's off or if something is going well um because the you know, like the body, like you talk about a lot, it influences the mind and the mind influences the body and they go back and forth. And I feel like I have a really good grasp of that connection and I'm like hyper aware of it. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think, you know, we, we miss that a lot. There is a mind body connection. And I think so many people overemphasize that like they're separate things and you have to connect them, but like biologically they are connected and we need to be able to explore that more frequently. And, you know, there's research out there that kind of looks at it. And there's things that we're trying to understand about physical activity and exercise and how it impacts like neuroplasticity and mental health and all those things. But I think if, if more athletes really understand that you don't have to make a connection that's biologically already there, you just have to explore it. I, I think that that's really, really good. And, and I'm really happy that you brought that up. I wanna make sure that I share that in the show notes as well. So I have another question for you. Um, what has been your biggest challenge to overcome in sport? I think what is true to me now was true to me as a beginner and less true in the middle. So <laughs> I currently struggle with, I've been doing this a long time. I just turned 24. I've been doing sports for 22 years and at a high level-ish for a lot of it. So, so much of my life has been centered around the discipline of nutrition, going to the gym, sleeping, hydrating, 
missing vacations, missing events, not going out. And in the beginning, that was hard. People are like, well, do you really have to go to the gym? Like, why can't you just take the day off and come with us? And I'd have to be like, no, like I have to go. And I'm like, oh, I have to miss this thing. And now I'm kind of feeling that too, especially as I'm becoming more of an adult and have like adult friends and I can do adult things. And I have to miss out on a lot of things because I can't just go and do whatever I want. You know, I have to be so much more disciplined. Um, but in the middle, it was kind of like easy, right? Like I, like I was in the zone and I was much more like dialed in. So it was like, of course I'm not gonna go out. Like, why would I do that? But yeah, I think consistently that is like the toughest thing is just as an elite, every single aspect of my life is governed by my physical performance in the gym mm. and centering my entire life around that. And that can be very draining. Yeah, that I, I could definitely like, as you put that in into perspective, you know, I, I know that as an elite athlete, that's something that you have to kind of decide, is that truly what's important to you? And that's, you know, kind of how we see burnout in sport and, and you know, injuries and all those things. So how do you, you know, and I, I'm sure that it drains on your mental health too, when you can't have those social interactions and, you know, you have to consistently say no, and I'm sure that impacts your relationship. So what do you do or, or what are you doing or what have you tried to do to kind of help maintain your mental health and you know obviously you're still going for some really high level accolades you know in the future and you're still doing your thing and growing and all of that stuff so obviously you're making a decision to continue what do you do to kind of balance what you feel is is really challenging with what you actually really love and want to accomplish recently i've been doing things that i can do so as you know, I've gotten really into yoga, which mm -hmm. is more helpful than anything really just for like moving your body in different ways. And it's low impact. I've gotten into rock climbing, but like on a very limited scale, you know, just like every now and then, but it's also kind of like a low impact, not super strenuous thing that I can do. Um, and those have been interesting because they're kind of technical in a way that weightlifting is. So it's like, I can get my mind to focus on something else and not be weightlifting 24 seven. This was much easier when I was in college because okay. I had things to focus on. Right. But like the last couple of years has been like weightlifting 24 seven, 100%. So I've kind of adopted like not caring in the gym a little more. Um, I've always had a like philosophy, like I don't keep a training journal. I train, I go home and I don't really remember my sessions. <laughs> like if I look back on videos on my phone, I'm like, I really have no memory of like doing that, which is kind of weird, but it lets me not be hyper fixated on every single lift, you know, just yeah. thinking back like, oh, I should have done that better. I should have done that better. I really just try to focus like in the moment, you know, do the lift right. Mm -hmm. But then outside of the gym, I can go do other activities or, you know, I have an amazing boyfriend, amazing friends and support system that I can like hang out with and they get it. So they're never going to put me in a situation where I have to say no all the time. That's, that's really important. Um, I like that you're able to focus on training when you're there and then just kind of let it go when you're not there. And I think that's a really healthy balance, but I've got to ask, you know, social media is there and it's out there and, and 
now I kind of feel like we have this access to everything on social media and we open our phone and you know here's someone that hit a big lift they're in our weight class how do you how do you manage you know social media and kind of this I guess society's desire to like post and like and share with your desire to kind of like you know make separate them when you're not there yeah um it definitely used to like get to me especially like if I was doing bigger lifts or the same lifts as people and not getting as much like you said likes shares whatever feeling very like brushed off um and because I was a kid too I mean I was coming up at like 18 19 20 years old trying to make my way into the sport and feeling very like ignored a lot um it felt like it was unfair and now it's just kind of funny is I just like I guess you get older, you know, that stuff's not as important anymore. <laughs> um, and so I try to, like, genuinely, all of my competitors, I want to do well, right? On competition day, it's like you and your ability and them and their ability and they, the best lifter of the meet went, you know? Um, but like you said, it does get hard. So I've muted people recently uh, just because it was like really draining. And once I realized like how draining it was to feel like I had to keep up, you know, it's just not worth it. It's not worth the mental energy. So I just have some people muted, focus on my own training. I'll post lifts that like I like, or like I want to share. And then if they don't get a lot of attention, like whatever, you know? A little bit, it sounds like a little bit of maturity and growth, right? Like that's what that's what it sounds like, you know, we grow, we mature and other things become more important to us. Yeah. And over the years, it's like, now we're all sort of reaching a peak of like, you know, the maximal possible weight we can lift. Yeah. It's like, if we're going to go back and forth, exchanging totals or records or whatever, there's no point in like keeping up with every single lift every single day that somebody's posting. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like who knows what's going to happen on the platform. So yeah. Well, that's a great segue. It's kind of like you're looking at my notes. So who knows what's going to happen on the platform? Who knows what's going to happen in competition day? We want to know. Tell us about your competition prep. What does competition day look like for Meredith? What do you do? (laughs) That's such like a loaded question, only because it's so diverse. The reasons that I am competing are very different from like, hobbyist lifter or somebody that's like enjoying being at nationals and just trying to lift PRs and do their best right like that's what like 99% of the sport is doing they're just trying to go out there lift PRs and have fun Mm -hmm. whereas as an elite I am trying to make a qualifying total for a team because if I don't make that team then I can't go to the Olympics Mm -hmm. or if I don't make that team then I can't make an international total and then if I don't make an international total I lose my stipend and there's my salary Mm -hmm. and then you're at the international meet and you're like okay well I have to make this total or else I'll lose my salary (laughs) so (laughs) there are so many different reasons I might be stepping on a competition platform um and the mental preparation can be really different for each one because like I think for the most part when people compete they're peaked they're ready to go whatever like happens happens but like for us I've had to compete internationally four weeks back to back, like with four weeks in between, had to compete like 
probably like eight times in a year, you know, less than ideal circumstances. Um, weight cuts can get funky. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just like, so for me, it's like, I just try to stay calm mostly. Yeah. <laughs> Eat if I, if that's like an option for me uh, and stay calm. You know, I don't do any crazy weight cuts. So I'm never like yeah. cutting last minute or anything. Um, but being able to kind of distract myself and then, there are some times where if I feel very overwhelmed, I will allow myself to feel it and visualize and then put it away. Because if I don't do that, it'll just like gnaw at me all day. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you visualize? What are some things that you visualize that you feel? Cause I think that's really important. You know, competition anxiety is a real thing. Um, you know, nervous energy, things like that. So what are some of you talked about visualizing? What does that look like? And what are, what are maybe some other mental skills that you use that have helped you in those big competitions? Yeah, I try to visualize like from the chalk bucket through the lift and almost kind of like every aspect of it. Like I've been on stage over 30 times now, I don't know how many, maybe more than that. So I'm very familiar with like how I set up, you know, that's changed over the years, but like walking myself through, chalking up, looking at the clock, looking at the judges, taking in what it looks like. And then what I try to like see it as if I were doing it right. So I'm like feeling my way through like setting up on the bar and visualizing like the platform and what everything might look like. Which yeah. is very hard to do when you haven't seen the venue before, but <laughs> I just try to like, you know, make it up as I go. But I, yeah, I pretty much visualize like every aspect of doing the lifts. Okay. And that helps. On like, like on that degree of stage, right? Like if I'm at a national meet, I try to envision like a national stage or an international because they're all like different in their own little ways. So. Okay. Are there any like um, special things or rituals that you have to have or do on competition day? Not really. Like some people might say that like I really like croissants and okay. that sort of developed out of like croissants have to be one of the like greatest ratios of low weight of food to calorie ratio, right? They're okay. super high calorie and they like don't weigh anything. So you can kind of eat a good amount of croissant on competition day. Okay, before we in. So this has become like a thing, and especially at international meets of international, like every country has croissants. It's like everybody loves croissants. Yeah. So, so welcome to I the like Meredith All Wine, how to make weight while eating croissants. <laughs> oh, but like if there's no croissants, like I'm not gonna freak out or anything. No, I'm not like particularly superstitious on anything that I do or like anything that I wear or eat or whatever now and every meat is like so different I think I would freak out if I tried to control too much what are some things that you kind of have developed as far as being able to prepare for um travel for international meets and um you know there's a lot when you're traveling to different time zones and things like that what are what are things that you do to kind of help with that I try to sleep a lot. Sleeping is like 
the most important thing, especially if you're in a phase where you're not eating a lot. Like just trying to maximize your sleep is the biggest thing. So acclimating to the time zone, like seriously, like that is something that you got to do. If you can sleep on the plane, like do it. Um, I will pay money to upgrade those flights, you know, (laughs) if I can, like sleep is just absolutely number one, but also, um, so a lot of times when we land, you'll land and you'll only get the chance to sleep for a couple hours, or maybe you don't get to sleep at all, depending on what time of day you land. And you usually have to train. And mm-hmm. usually it's something heavy because, mm-hmm. you know, it's a few days out. Yeah. So knowing that you might just feel awful and that's okay. And then usually though, on those sessions, they often go well, which is kind of weird. I don't know if it's like a cortisol thing or what, but <laughs> Yeah, so like not stressing, I guess, like whatever you feel like when you get there, like whatever, like not worrying and not stressing is one of the biggest things at international competition. Wow. Okay. What is the next international competition that we're going to see you at? I'll be at Pan Ams in the end of July. That's exciting. Yes. (laughs) Um, So you've been training for that. Um, Are you going to nationals? I am. Okay. I'm so sad that I won't be able to be there, but someone's got to hold the fort down. Um, so I'll be, I'll be staying back, but so you're probably in the heavy part of training. You're kind of ramping up. What, how does Meredith deal with a bad training session where it just doesn't go well? Meredith goes and cries outside. (laughs) (laughs) We actually, my gym here just got a new location and I had a bad day Friday and I was like, I don't know where to go outside so I can go cry. <laughs> okay. So this is the thing. Okay. Yeah. This is the thing. I cry a lot. I cry all the time. I cry over bad days a lot. It's just, it's so frustrating, right? Like you're putting, especially for like me, like I'm putting everything into this mm-hmm. and it could be any number of things that are making it not a good day, mm-hmm. especially because Friday we were trying to have a remake of Tuesday, which was a bad day already. Yeah. And then it was another bad day. <laughs> so okay. Like, so what do you so do? I, I just get very overwhelmed. I cry it out. Um, if there's anything significant left to finish, depending on my severity of having a bad day, I might finish or I'll just go home and call it a day. Okay. But at the end of the day, like it really doesn't matter too much. Like what, like programming is a like variable you know if you skip one thing here or there like whatever don't just skip your programming but you know what I mean (laughs) (laughs) it's not the end-all be-all I try to tell athletes that all the time I'm like you know programming is important and it is a guide and it gives you a framework but at the end of the day you know it's it's flexible it's adaptable cargo care if I did my four double of overhead squats not really probably not (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna go home I'm gonna like I said I'm gonna forget about it okay and I'm gonna just move on because it's a like a bad day is just a bad day right it's not a normal day it's not a good day like you're gonna have another normal day or a good day eventually so right go do it it doesn't mean that yeah it's like it's not like you all of a sudden can't snatch you know, whatever weight that you can normally snatch, like that's not physically possible. So it's. Okay. I think that's important because, you know, one of the questions 
um, that I get a lot is, you know, when, when do you push through a, a bad training session? Like, when do you just kind of like, Hey, I got to get through this. Or when do you say, Hey, it's time to call this quits. Let's just chalk this one up and kind of back off. Like how, how do you decide when to like push yourself through it and, and when to back off? It definitely depends what I'm doing. Um, if I'm in like not peaking, I often will have to like drop percentages or drop reps. You know, like if something feels absolutely awful, but I'm like, I should do this work. You know, like if it seems like significant, like squats, pulls or volume of the classic lifts, like mm -hmm. I'm like, I really should do this. And I know I can do it. We'll just back off a little bit. Mm -hmm drop some of it, work through it, go home, move on. Okay. If it's like, for me, I guess there's a trend. If it's a heavy peak day, I'm trying to hit high percentages, maximal loads, and it's just not there. You know, cause you get like, you can tell that you're not getting velocity in the lift. The bar is just not gonna end up high enough. You're gonna hurt yourself before you make lifts. So mm -hmm. those are the days I'm just like, no. Okay. Like it's not there today there's no point in forcing it because we're not going to achieve anything. So just right. go. Right. And I do believe that you can train misses in a good way. So like, even when you're missing a lift or even when you miss a rep, there's still things that you can learn. Like it's still intensity. It's still effort. And so like, there's still things that you can, you know, kind of analyze and look back and say, this is why I missed this. This is, you know, what I need to change. But then we can also train missed lifts in a bad way into to a point where it kind of gets in our head, especially like, like you said, at maximal loads, if we're, if it's just not there today and you keep hacking at that weight, the only thing you're going to remember when you get on the competition platform is how many times you just missed it in training three weeks ago. And, you know, that's a psychological um, impact on your competition. And so, you know, you, you have to understand, like you said, you know, that's all really good information. Where are you in the, the cycle? Are you in volume phase where you can maybe just lower your percentages and just work through it and go home and cry and then wake up the next day and do it again? Or, you know, is this a day where you, you know, make a note to yourself and say, hey, we're going to call this, you know, maybe we go and maybe we need to eat, maybe we need to take a nap, maybe we need to like, do some recovery on the body and then come back in and try it again another day. So I think that's really important. I think I get that question a lot from um, listeners and people on social media is like, that's a really good, that's a really important point to understand. I think it's also like, you know, maybe this comes from how hyper aware you are of your body and of your movement, you know, having that connection and really understanding how is my body moving? How am I moving in space? And then being able to make that connection, like, if I miss a snatch, I'm not all of a sudden a terrible weightlifter. I just missed a snatch that day. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's sometimes hard for people to understand, like you having a bad training session does not mean you're all of a sudden forgot how to do the lifts. <laughs> um, it like it. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. And, you know, weightlifting is like that. Weightlifting can be really idiotic sometimes where you're like, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure I've been doing this. All right. So I got just a couple, actually only do have a couple more questions. Um, there's so many things that happen behind the scenes for elite level athletes. What are some things that you do to take care of your body to make sure that you have a long, you know, prosperous, accomplished career? I sleep. 
I don't know if this is just a, like a me genetic thing, but I literally sleep for like 10 plus hours a night. And if I don't, I feel awful. <laughs> wow. 10 hours. I don't know the last time I slept for 10 hours. I slept for 13 hours the other day. Meredith. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> why or how. <laughs> well, when, you're, when you're awake, what type <laughs> of things do you do to take care of your body? When I'm awake. I eat like sleeping and eating are like the best things right so I really try to make sure I get in enough protein like I can be kind of bad about that I think we all can so I really try to prioritize eating enough calories sleeping staying hydrated I'm also really bad about that my nutrition coach is always like are you drinking water and I'm like I'm trying I thought about it (laughs) all right um but I don't really do like I've gotten like, you know, I've done manual therapy in the past, like dry needling and massage, which like I'll do massage every now and then because it feels nice and I tend to feel better the next day, but like, I really don't do that much. I do yoga now. Okay. Um, that feels good. It feels good to rotate and move the body in different ways. Yeah. But yeah, I don't do a whole lot of anything. I don't foam roll. I don't like. <laughs> Sometimes okay. I stress. We eat and we sleep and we occasionally <laughs> do yoga. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So there's a lot of people that look up to you, a lot of young people that want to follow in your footsteps, even if it's not in weightlifting. What advice would you give to someone who wants to be an elite athlete in whatever sport? Um, really looking at what are some of those mental skills, psychological skills, characteristics that you feel really set you apart and that other people would need to have in order to make them elite? When you like do the work and like the balance between like we've talked about being intense and determined and driven and ambitious and also not making it everything like at the end of the day it's just weightlifting or it's just whatever Mm -hmm. thing you're trying to do like obviously I love it it's very important to me and I dedicate (laughs) 95% of my existence to it right now but I'm also not so involved that like if I were to get an injury or get sick or something happened you know that I would like feel like I'm losing my life mm-hmm. you know yeah that's important you don't want to hold on too tight I guess athletic identity is important um and and many people describe themselves as athletes for so long that it's hard to transition into you know maybe from elite athlete to, to recreational athlete and um I think it, like we're all gonna have to make that transition at some point right and so you know, being focused and being driven, but also understanding and maybe even preparing for life after sports and life after, you know, training 95% of your life. Um, So we spent a lot of time together, Meredith. I'm really appreciative of your time. Um, I have one final question and it's a part of our questions game. I have 15 total questions and each of them correspond with um, a specific kind of in-depth question. Want to get into the brain of um, each of my guests. 
So questions one through 15, there are three questions already gone that were already selected and that's two, seven, and five. So you can pick a number one through 15, except two, seven, and five. I'll do 14. 14 it is. All right, Meredith, who is an athlete? Oh, this is good. Who is an athlete that you look up to in your sport and why? This is going to be like the cheesiest thing ever. Um, <laughs> like, honestly, it's like, it's you guys, like Team OC. Because I think it's kind of easy in a way to be an elite, especially when it's funded. It's easy to go to the gym and do the work every day because we know what we're getting, we're getting these big stages, we're getting awards, we're getting records, we're getting all this kinds of cool stuff. And like, obviously we're working hard for it, but I see you guys putting in the same amount of work, if not more, you know, I train for sometimes five days a week, like, and I just see how much you guys like love doing the sport and how much you just do it because you love it and you have jobs and families and things that I don't have. Yeah. And how much effort you're willing to put into going and doing weightlifting. And that like gets me. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. We, we definitely, you know, Camargo definitely sets the atmosphere and Jen and, you know, we all try to like set that, that atmosphere, but we have some of the hardest working, working athletes that I have ever, you know, been around and they're, they do, they come and do the work, they show up, they're dedicated and we have fun. We have fun. Yeah. It's just I, like, obviously I love being there. Well, we look forward to having you soon. It may, yeah. It makes training so much better because everybody's just so motivated to get better and there's like nothing on the line, you know, you guys just love it. So <laughs> Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, I will definitely look forward to sharing this episode um, and we will share more information in the show notes as it goes. So thank you so much, Meredith. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Before you sign off, if this episode was helpful for you, I'd love to hear from you. Be sure to take a moment to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review, and then share with your other strong friends. If you're looking for more podcast episodes or content on fitness, nutrition, sport performance, or if you just want to connect with me for coaching, you can head on over to my website, optimizestrength.co, or follow me on Instagram at Anajanusam, PhD. I'd love to hear from this community. If there are topics you want to hear about or guests you'd like to hear from, drop me a note. Until next time, may your squats be strong and your lifts be big. Here's to going beyond the reps and getting to the strength in the details.